almost, almost forgot how to podcast, but we got it figured out. I can hear Ken. Ken can hear me. You can hear us. We can't hear you, but that's not how this thing works. So let's get this thing fired up again for the 2018-2019 Utah Jazz basketball season, which is underway, at least the preseason portion of it. We're going to talk about that in this special, in their own words edition of the podcast. We're going to hear some relevant quotes that Jazz players and staff have been saying. We're going to talk about those and maybe put it in context of the regular season, which is now just a couple of weeks away and change. So to do all that, I'm joined by a fella who has 33% of the same names as I have. Uh, Ken Clayton, how you doing? Hey, I'm sorry. I thought we were getting ready to get in here, getting together to uh, draw names for Christmas. You're telling me the jazz season has started? Yeah, I think the Christmas thing, I think that ship has sailed because okay. we belong to a family where crazy people do that in like August. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Yes, we are together. I did know the season had started, although it's the preseason and maybe the pre-preseason because I kind of feel sometimes like when they play the Perth Wildcats that it's it's not quite the same as the game that's coming up, uh, the next game that's coming up, which will be against an actual NBA team. But uh, yeah, it's good to see some on-court action a little bit. Already. Right. Right. Like you like we always throw all the caveats on preseason basketball anyway, but when they're playing like the Butler 8th Ward Priests team, then you just kidding. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Perth Wildcats. I actually thought that they um, you know, they had some cool things happening in in basketball terms. They just obviously weren't um a team staffed with NBA talent. So so yeah, I mean, you know, it was what it was. And 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 also by the way, that's for the, you know, few thousand people who were lucky enough to witness the game, um, either by being in the arena or by finding some illegal stream somewhere to watch it. Um, as our guy Jimbo Rudding pointed out in a in a tweet on Friday, he asked the Jazz are you planning to Morse code this game out to, fran- to, to fans? Um, so not ideal that it's 2018 and we're still, you know, having to find creative solutions on the interwebs to watching basketball games. Right. Well, at least the, the three NBA opponent games will be broadcast if I understand correctly. That's true. And if and if any of our listeners out there are not sure what to do about the other two, the the other you know the the recent game against Perth and this Friday's game against the Adelaide Thirty Sixers, I don't know, Google something, um, because there are ways. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what we came together to talk about. We came together to talk about the um, what jazz players have been saying. We've gathered some kind of interesting quotes from last week. Um, okay, I'll be honest, most of these just straight come from media day, but but some interesting quotes that might illustrate how some different jazz players and coaches are thinking about the season and, you know, that that may go a long way in determining how uh, how good the jazz are this, this upcoming season. So if, you know, let's go ahead and dive in. The first one, Ken, that I, that I sent to you and said, let's talk about this, um, when we were first planning this podcast, this seemed like it was going to be a really novel conversation point. I've actually seen a lot of coverage about this Quinn Snyder quote, but we'll talk about it for a minute anyway. He said, um, although you, this is, this is Quinn talking about, um, 
not wanting his guys to to think that con- that the continuity that keeping the group together means they've actually accomplished anything he said although you want continuity you don't want complacency i was talking to the team about this you get you get people back and you think we're going to be what we were i want our guys to be something else something more when your players are focused on improving it happens as a team as well so what do you think ken do you think that there's like a significant risk of um, a little bit of a letdown from a team that that mostly just kind of said, "Hey, let's run it back." From a continuity perspective, uh, there's a little bit of a risk, but in, but in general, what what we saw last year is a team and a, and a culture within the team that really was going to push each other and and uh, and want more. I mean, when you and we'll talk about individuals as we go down through these quotes, but you just think about guys. I mean, do I think Rudy Gobert is suddenly going to say, "Hey, we're all good." We made the playoffs in the second round last year. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna lose the fire now. I don't see that happening. Uh, Ricky Rubio gets his first taste of the playoffs. I just don't see that guys are gonna say, "Ah, oh, we're fine. We're we don't we don't have to put in the effort." Um, I think they know they that, that the effort is what took them to that. Yeah, along with their you know whatever God-given talent, the, their effort also helped carry them to where they got, and they they know that. I think it's a pretty good group of guys that understands that that it's not just going to happen for them if they don't put in the work and the culture underscores that so i think they'll be just fine sure sure i i th- i think and i don't know you know i haven't heard enough on on this topic from quinn or others um i i almost think what he's saying is not that he's worried that guys are going to rest on their laurels or not be as thirsty this upcoming season um but that he almost wants to keep redefining the team that he wants to introduce new stuff that he wants to um you know that it's that it's less about complacency and and more about you know constant reinvention um is is maybe what quinn is after i don't know um but there was you know there was an article last week um steve godfrey wrote about it at saltcityhoops.com um there was an article on on nba.com where they compared the jazz to that breakout Portland Trailblazers team of a few years ago that just looked like they were all of a sudden going to be on the map. And then they just kind of haven't done much since then. Today, there was some discussion comparing the Jazz to that Heat team that was awful for the first half of a season, then crazy good for the second half of a season, and since then has gone on to pretty much just be right down the middle of the road mediocre. Um, so I guess I guess that's the, that's the risk, or, or not the risk, but that's the thinking is, hmm, how do people know which version of the Utah Jazz is is super sustainable in the long run? That 19 and 28 team that came limping out of Atlanta in January, or the 29 and, se- and 6 team that we have seen since? Yeah, and I think the answer has to be somewhere in the middle, um, or should be somewhere in the middle. I'll, I'll take the 29 and 16 projected across the whole season, but I don't think we'll get that. Um, but yeah, I think these guys, they're all focused on improving, whether that means, like you said, adding new tweaks, creating a new identity, or reinventing yourself, whatever. I, but I think they all know. And there was room for improvement across just about, maybe probably across the board, every single yeah. player. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was not the finished product, we hope. Uh, right. Uh, uh, I almost called him Corey. Jay Crowder was not the best Jay Crowder we've ever seen. 
and we'll talk about later. You know, Faves' role was in was in flux all season, uh, so there's there is absolutely room for improvement, and uh, even if they are you know rolling it back, and and I think you know again the culture is going to drive that to them, and and some of the guys probably need that more than others, um, but yeah, I'm, I mean I think everybody's pretty optimistic about this season uh, from I'm- a team perspective, and hopefully we're right. Yeah. I mean, here's my favorite um, stat or, or talking point from just a that standpoint of reinvention. Um, Tabo Cephalosha and Dante Exum have still not played a second of NBA basketball on the same team together. Um, yeah. And those two are going to be, you know, I imagine both pretty important to the second unit. So that's just an example, but one that illustrates that, you know, even though it is quote unquote the same group of guys, there's still a lot of different and new stuff that the jazz can unlock through player improvement um through being hopefully healthier than they've been the last couple of seasons and just through you know experimenting with their offense and their defensive systems um the next quote that we wanted to talk about and this is this actually kind of is a good continuation of the continuity discussion um can you say continuation of continuity is that like am i doing gymnastics with the english language continuing the discussion about the continuation of continuity um joe ingles said i've had a new point guard every year i've played here so far which seems just next level bonkers but then i thought about it and yeah that's true since he arrived in 2014 he has then he goes on to say um so this will be the first time i've had the same starting point guard back to back um meaning you know he had George Hill for a year. He had, there was a year that Howell Neto started more games at point guard than anybody else. There was a year that Exum did. There was a year that, that Trey Burke did. Um, Shelvin Mack was in there. Um, you know, just a, a crazy level of of change at that position in particular. And then, you know, hey, Ricky Rubio is coming back. And I think that's going to gonna be just a, an opportunity to do what we just talked about, which is not not necessarily reshape the reality of the Utah Jazz, but kind of within the parameters of that reality, really start to, um, you know, grow the common experience and and test new things. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you remember back, and there was some content on Salt City Hoops this week about Rubio's season, um, Rubio's season started out kind of rocky. There were all kinds of worries about whether he was going to work with the team. Yeah, I mean, and when Ricky Rubio came to the came to the Jazz, the the first part of the season did not start out perfectly. There were a lot there was a lot of question about whether he could be on the court, you know, specifically with Favors and Gobert at the same time. But just in general, his play was not stellar. So now that they've gotten over that, ideally, we get a full season of Ricky Ricky, Ricky Rubio fully engaged in the team and and and, a, and an important at an important position although you know less important than in a john stockton darren williams type jazz team but still uh, the team these guys really buy in to each other i mean you could see that late in the season and success makes it look easy so, you know to, everybody's buying into each other when we're when you're winning at that rate but i i think that's going to be a huge thing less that he's Less that he's necessarily a point guard, just that there there's a guy out there who's contributing, and they're all playing well together, and they and they're going to understand each other and and get to hopefully a higher level of basketball faster as the season starts. Yeah, rocky start is is a, an extremely polite way of putting it, or <laughs> or however you put it. Um, I wrote about that on Friday, just how um, how Rubio had actually a pretty 
a pretty solid start, except from the three-point line. He had a he had a pretty decent start to the season in terms of overall shooting efficiency, like like point per shot efficiency. Then he cratered right when the Jazz cratered. Then he got crazy good right when the Jazz got crazy good. I don't think that's an accident. Uh, I think it's I think Ricky is a real barometer for how the Jazz are playing. I think he's important to them being as good as they want to be. Um, meaning, you know, I, I, I don't think the Jazz can be great if Ricky Rubio is shooting 30% or below from the three-point line. But, uh, but yeah, his, his quote, actually, we'll just jump to his because we are, you know, in the thick of the Rubio discussion. He said, um, it's been hype all summer long, speaking of the excitement of Jazz fans for this upcoming season. And I've been, think- and I've been thinking about the playoffs all summer long. So I thought that was interesting from him you know he had that line um he he told donovan at the end of the houston series donovan mitchell to really bask in that feeling of of being sent home and to use that for fuel over the summer and i find it interesting that while everyone else is talking about how geek they are for the for the season rubio has been you know sitting there thinking about how he wished he had been able to play in the playoffs and and you know just getting back to that point you know as you mentioned the first time in his in his career he had made the playoffs so just a a nice little nod to rubio's hunger while everyone else is looking forward he's kind of looking backward a little bit but doing it for some fuel for the upcoming season well, I think he's looking backward, but he's also doing that thing that they talk about you know great teams and and I'm not saying the jazz are anointed a great team yet but uh, you know the great teams know that the real season starts in April mm-hmm. and I think Rubio after missing that and missing that and missing that and missing that how I, I don't know how many years right off the top of my head um, six now right? si- think, just six okay yeah I think I think so, last year was his seventh year as a pro and his first year in the playoffs okay actually I was gonna say seven but I wasn't confident enough that I, I thought I don't want to be off a year or two so yeah being missing it for six years and then being in and, and honestly one of the probably you know with all the excitement around Donovan Mitchell's emergence as a rookie and and everything else we saw last year one of the coolest moments I thought in the jazz season was I believe it was the night the jazz clinched the playoffs to see Quinn Snyder over there thumping Ricky Rubio's chest saying you got there you got you you helped us get there you yeah. finally got there you could tell that that was a a huge goal that he had had to finally make it and and I'm sure it feels great. And so he's a guy who, unlike Donovan Mitchell, you know, you make it in your first year, it probably I'm, it, it doesn't seem easy. It never seems easy. But Rick Rubio is a guy who knows how hard it can be to get to the playoffs. So he's got his eye on that prize. And then eventually, over the next year, two years, however long, that converts into getting your eye on the, the biggest prize. And I'm sure his eye is on that partly too. But But he's really looking at, I think, the playoffs we gotta yeah. get to the playoffs and that's and that's that's the real season to a guy who's been there seven time been in the league seven years but only made it to the playoffs once and played well in that first round and then unfortunately had to sit out the second round that probably adds a little bit to his hunger to get back to yeah well he he talked last week also about how um having not been to the playoffs he he didn't know how to quote listen to his body he didn't know how to understand, you know, how to budget his energy level, how to budget what he had left in his body at that point in the season, um, and that's why he just, you know, in in a lot of ways ran out of stream, ran out of steam, just ran out of the ability to will himself onto the basketball court for as much as he wanted to be out there. 
so I, I think that that'll be I think that'll be really interesting for for Ricky as well. Um, what should we do? Should we stay with the yeah? Let's stay with the let's stay with the starting five for now. Um, you mentioned Fave, and we would talk about Fave and his role. I thought his quote was nothing groundbreaking in terms of like the these whispers have been out there. Um, you've heard them. I've heard them. You know, people have talked about favors and you know the up and down relationship he's had with snyder over the over the few years that snyder has been here but i I, this is i think the first time that derek has on the record said things like this he said at the beginning of the year i was kind of stressing a little bit because i didn't like my role as much i talked to coach about it and we kind of figured things out as the year went on i found a comfort level and kind of got better at finding spots where i'm more effective and he started running certain plays and certain actions that got me involved a little bit more. So I don't know. That was just, again, we've all we've all seen what some of those changes were. We've all seen how reluctant Snyder was at the start of the year to use favors in certain situations, and he got less reluctant as the year went on, as, and as they got better um, as a as a starting group. But that's as honest as I've heard him be publicly about you know being quote unquote stressed or you know, quote unquote, quote unquote, didn't like my role as much. Yeah. And, and you're right. We saw that. And, but, and, and as much as we saw that too, I mean, I don't think we really truly ever saw what the team, what, what Snyder and the, and the coaching staff thought they had going into the season. Cause right or wrong, they thought Rodney Hood was going to be a whole different force than he was right or wrong. And it ended up being wrong. You know, they probably assumed that Joe Johnson was just going to keep playing like he had maybe in the playoffs the year before and be a positive force. Those two things didn't happen. Donovan Mitchell's um, um, emergence and then also bringing Ricky Rubio in, there were, there were a lot of moving parts the first 20, 30, 40 games. And so, you know, maybe if we go back and go, go to that alternate universe where all that stuff doesn't happen, maybe Favors fits in a little bit better in the team structure early on, but there were just so many changes going on. It probably took Snyder himself a while to figure it out. Glad they're all on the same page now. Glad we got Favors back for at least one more year um, because he's, he's, uh, he's a great power forward. He's probably one of the best backup centers in the league when Rudy Gobert goes to the bench. <clears throat> Um, he's uh, he's going to help the team. Uh, hopefully they all keep you know. Hopefully he and Rudy are both healthy, and that's going to be uh, that that's a position of strength the Jazz are playing from uh, with the big man. You know, it's interesting that you mention both Rodney and Joe Johnson um, because relative to this quote, like let's rewind nine ten months. So we know we, it's been reported that Rodney Hood there was there was some tension around Rodney Hood's role and you know. The, the minutes and touches that he kind of expected coming in. We've heard that there was some Joe Johnson drama, and that's part of the reason why they wanted to help Joe Johnson find another home. And then we have Favors here openly saying, you know, I wasn't happy with my role. I was stressing, all these things. Like Those are, even if that's all there was, and I doubt that's all there was because in a team with, you know, 15 egos, I mean, they're all, they're all nice guys, so I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean... 15 people you have 15 egos you have 15 sets of expectations to manage um but even if even if those were the only three sort of you know quote-unquote chemistry challenges um or or expectation challenges or role questions or whatever 
it's kind of amazing that the Jazz got through that and ended the year on as positive a note as they did, both on the court and just the chemistry that they all talk about and and the the camaraderie in the locker room, knowing that they started with three very important rotation players, um, or at least three guys who had been very important rotation players coming out of the previous season, um, you know, all having one level of beef or another in their role. I, I think I I don't in other words, what I'm saying is obviously the Jazz keep some of that stuff in house and there's a good reason they do, but by keeping it in house, I, I don't know that Quinn Snyder gets as much credit as he deserves for managing all of that to the point that it's a big love fest and we're only hearing little bits and pieces of you know, these major questions about roles and, and you know, who was taking whose minutes. Yeah. No, I mean, then there was more drama than even, it wasn't just the drama as far as the egos that you mentioned those three players. There's also bringing in a Rubio. There's also, uh-huh. so, so that's not drama. There, there was no, there wasn't really any competition for who's going to be the starting point guard really, but, but there was the integration of that player. And then uh, Rudy Gobert goes down twice. So there was a lot of, change and and, you know that's normal in the nba it's not like you know he's the first guy who's ever done this but there was a lot of change in that first you know 40 games where the jazz had to come together and figure it out and and and, i mean obviously on the court but but the coaching staff is what i'm referring to and so it's probably not a shock that favors role was a little bit up and down maybe it would have been even if everything was just you know, situation normal, what they thought it was going to be going in, but certainly not when when you're making pretty major changes in the first 20, 30 games of the season, you know, taking some minutes away from Hood and giving them to Mitchell, who I'm sure they plan to use, but I don't, nobody planned to use him like they ended up using him. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Just watching, the other, I, I just saw on Twitter the other day, somebody posted the, the, whole, the whole thing, I think you commented on it too, the, where where the surprise start in game one of the season, where Rodney's out there all ready to go, and and Donovan gets Donovan gets called in off the bench, and Rodney goes to the locker room. It's like, was that? I mean, I mean, that was just a that, that was just foreshadowing the whole season how it ended up between basically the those yeah. two guys. By the way, it is confirmed Rodney Hood did start Cleveland's preseason opener, so no okay. gastric distress tonight. Okay. Um, that's just the, the preseason. Why, why have gastric distress over that? <laughs> the last point I'll make on the favors thing, and then we can move along. Um, you know, I think it also is evidence that favors deserves a lot of credit for how he dealt with that and how he was able to communicate and and manage through a situation where he was less than a hundred percent happy. Because the other two guys that we are talking about, the the Jazz were so concerned with. Um, with the chemistry and vibe problems that those situations were creating that they got rid of them and, and got rid of them for players that on an absolute level, you could, you could even consider not necessarily a downgrade, but less proven for sure. Um, You know, the jazz wound up giving hoods rotation spot and Johnson's rotation spot to guys who had certainly done less and had, you know, less meaty NBA resumes. And with favors, they certainly had opportunities to do that instead they decided to to hold course, and I think that that is evidence of what Favors describes here: the the communication with Quinn and the fact that you know at the end of the day these are both professionals and grown men, and they were able to um, to sort that out. So, um, so good news for Fave, good news for Quinn Snyder, and and uh, you know we'll see if we 
um, get to keep seeing more of that version of Fave this upcoming year. Um, speaking of more of that version of someone, you mentioned Mitchell. Here's here's Mitchell's line um, that I grabbed from Media Day. He said, I'm not going to be able to take people by surprise this year. I've got to be ready for that. And that's not a particularly telling quote, but let's just use that as a launching point to talk about Donovan a little bit. How much do you expect Donovan to be able to sustain from last year going into this year? Um, are, are you one of those people who thinks it's now about you know, just overcoming the sophomore slump and trying to be as good? Or are you waiting to see him unlock another level of performance? Well, am I waiting for it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, do I hope I see it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I Probably not the most popular opinion. I think it's a 50-50. I think yes. And, and I don't think he'll necessarily have a slump. Um I, I think it'll be more, does he just maintain where he was at, just over 20 points per game and whatever else he's doing, or does he take a step up? I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about him dropping to 16 or something like that. Um, you know, there are some, there are some, there were some weaknesses in his game. He acknowledged as much. He needs to become a more efficient scorer if he really wants to get to that 25-plus type level, if that's a, if that's a goal he's after. Um, the fact that he recognizes that and talks about that is part of the battle and hopefully that means he's going to be able to get to that point if not this year you know uh at some point in the future because i mean but he's he's got the talent so like i said there were there were some things in his game he could have done more efficiently but when it came down to it uh you know one of the criticisms some fans in other markets said was oh he you know he shoots too much and you know looking at stats and everything it's like yeah but look at you know when it came down to it in the heat of the battle and the playoffs who did the ball go to, and who who won that first series playing against three guys who you might have expected had a better chance of winning that series? Two and so a half. I, I think two. Well, okay. Yeah, no, I know. I you, I'm not sure Carmelo was even a half, uh, but but at least just on name recognition, you yeah. would, you know some somebody out there. Honestly, even though you and I wouldn't have put Carmelo on the list ahead of Donovan Mitchell, somebody out there would have. So yeah. yeah so yeah. for somebody. For somebody, for some guy out there, there were three people <clears throat> they were expecting to win the series ahead of Donovan Mitchell. So I think, you know, he's going to be just fine. I'd love to see him get a little more efficient, and then, but but still get the same amount of touches because that's just going to put more more points on the board, and and uh, he's going to put the ball through the hoop more often, and that'll be, yeah, you know, and, and get up to that 25 level or whatever. You know, it's not so much about the number, but let's just get the team rolling like that, and uh, and and he's a talent. There's no there's no disguising that. You you sound like Quinn a little there with the uh, don't care about the numbers, just get the team rolling. Uh, 20 point. I, I am going to care about the numbers for just a second because you made me you made me look 20.5 points per game just under four rebounds just under four assists uh 34% three point shooting which you'd like to think he has the skill level to be a little higher on that although overall shooting efficiency he was at a 541 true shooting that is right around league average i don't know exactly what league average was last season but usually league average hovers somewhere between like 53 and a half 54 and a half so yeah. you know um it's not that he was inefficient it was that he was basically you know like just using a lot of possessions right at league average 
to get his points and and on a team that needed scoring options like the Jazz did that was that was still pretty important but that's certainly um, as you point out a, an area he can improve in and then just in recent days he's also talked a little bit about how he wants to improve on defense the word he used is horrible and um, Quinn Snyder kind of waved that off today and and you know didn't dismiss the fact that they want Donovan Mitchell to be better on defense but kind of said you know that's not how we would assess him defensively but the point there is I think all parties agree that that's another area where he can continue to get better which again isn't surprising that a rookie can continue to get better at defending NBA players right although if you go back to the start of last season uh, what the conventional wisdom was he was going to be he was already prepared to be a great defender, and we'll see what, what we get from him on the other end. And then the season almost ends up being a, a bit of a flip flop yeah. of that. He was he he led the team offensively, um, partly out of necessity with Hood's early struggles, and then the trade and no contribution from Joe Johnson and injury to Rudy Gobert and and everything else that happened. Um, but yeah, and you're right. Be, using that many possessions, a league average is, in my opinion, very good for a rookie. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's just take it up. Now, now you're not a rookie anymore. So, and, and you know what they say. Uh, I, I know David Locke used to say when he was years ago when I listened to him on the radio, the biggest, uh, the biggest jump you see in players is year one to year two. Let's hope because <laughs> because uh, Donovan Mitchell was already in pretty uh, pretty good position as a pretty rookie. Rare form. Let's hope he. Yeah, let's 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 see him take it up a notch this year. Hey folks, it turns out that Ken and I had so much to say about these 10 quotes from Utah Jazz training camp that I decided to split these up into a pair of podcasts in order to make them slightly more bite-sized for all of you to enjoy. So hope you've enjoyed this first half. Uh, we'll continue this uh, Tuesday night. I'll post a part two with... Um, Some more quotes from and about the likes of Rudy Gobert, Dante Exum, Alec Burks, and more as we continue to get you ready for the start of the Utah Jazz season 2018-2019. Thanks for listening in.